This is Stacey Hillier, and you are listening to the Prophetic Collective Podcast. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Prophetic Collective, where we're in the midst of our new series, Revival Reflections. We are seeing a significant outpouring at my home church, Numa Church, like is happening all across the earth, and it's a season of incredible growth, stretch, and transformation. So I want to share with some of my friends what God's been doing, what he's been teaching us, what he's saying, and who we are becoming. And today, we are joined by one of my dearest friends and inspirational weapons for the kingdom, Pastor Erin Planner. Erin is the global prayer pastor at my home church, but Erin is actually also a pioneer. This year alone, she has launched Bethel Healing Rooms at Numa, as well as Sozo Prayer Ministry, Upper Room, and is just back from Bangkok, where she was sozoing up a storm. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast, Erin. It's so good to have you. It's good to be here. Thanks, Dace. And I know you actually have a podcast about prayer. Do you want to tell people about that? Yeah, so the Lord just was stirring my heart to dig deeper into prayer and just the foundation of prayer in a lot of the revivals of past. I I love studying. I'm a learner. So just out of my own Sabbath learning, did a bit of a journey into just the role that prayer has played in Mm. revival and moves of God even. So I just thought, hey, people might like to hear about this more than just myself. So yeah, just started a podcast about that. Yeah, what's it called? It's just under my name, Erin Planner, super easy to find. Awesome, in all the podcast places. And I want to give a little disclaimer right from the start here that throughout this podcast, you may hear my revival dog because he is hanging around as I record. And a random fact for all the listeners today, Erin, you and I actually have dog siblings. We do. We have little boys, our pride and joy, who are from the same litter, same mum, same dad, like actual brothers. It's the cutest thing ever, Leo and Otis. And we get to have Odie for a couple of weeks soon, so we're going to have the brothers in our house. I cannot wait. (laughs) (laughs) And they are revival dogs. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So kind of riffing off what you just said about your podcast. And before we get into the questions today, I actually wanted to start by reading a little bit about Daniel Nash. Yes. Um, He's one of our favorites. He was a Mm. prayer warrior for Charles Finney. So he was his personal intercessor and he was actually key to the revival that followed Finney's ministry. And we can all look at the life of Daniel Nash and see an example of how important prayer is to see the kingdom of God revealed. And some of this that I'm going to read is from Daniel Nash's prevailing prince of prayer. And Father Nash, as they called him, would slip quietly into town and seek to get two or three people to enter into a covenant of prayer with him. And sometimes he would have with him a man of similar prayer ministry whose name was Abel. And together they would begin to pray for God to move in the community. And so um, there's a story told about Leonard Ravenhill, who said, I met an old lady who told me a story about Charles Finney that has challenged me over the years. Finney went to Bolton to minister, but before he began, two men knocked on the door of her humble cottage wanting lodging. The poor woman looked amazed for she had no extra accommodation. Finally, for about 25 cents a week, the two men, none other than fathers Nash and Clary, rented a dark and damp cellar for the period of the Finney meetings at least two weeks 
And there in that self-chosen cell, those prayer partners battled the forces of darkness. Another record tells, on one occasion when I got to town to start a revival, a lady contacted me who ran a boarding house. And she said, Brother Finney, do you know a Father Nash? He and two other men have been at my boarding house for the last three days, but they haven't eaten a bite of food. I opened the door and peeped in at them because I could hear them groaning and I saw them down on their faces. They have been this way for three days, lying prostrate on the floor and groaning. I thought something awful must have happened to them. I was afraid to go in and I didn't know what to do. Would you please come see about them? And he said, no, it isn't necessary. They just have a spirit of travail in prayer. (laughs) And so I love that Charles Finney himself records that Daniel Nash was one of the key components, his prayer life, his intercession to what the Lord did through his ministry. So Aaron, I would love it if you could start with a testimony around prayer, because I think one of the things that I hear a lot, and I'm sure you hear it as well, is, oh, but prayer's boring or I don't know how to pray for more than an hour. Prayer doesn't work. I've tried it once. So I love hearing stories about passionate prayer warriors. What do you want to say about that? Yeah. Well, when you say prayer is boring, it's like (laughs) a red flag to a bull. I'm like, whoa. Um, But I I hear that a lot. I hear that a lot. And I think before I share testimony, maybe just speak to that for a moment because I think that sometimes is one of the biggest barriers to people entering into prayer. And when I've journeyed with people, I see that kind of coming from two places. Like when we believe that, that there's kind of two two lies, I guess, that we're believing about Mm -hmm. prayer. Um, The first one is I think that we come sometimes to prayer thinking that prayer has to look like a specific thing or maybe two or three specific things just because of what we've learned. Mm -hmm. A lot of what we see if we've come into church and we're participating in community, we see prayer look like what it looks like during a Sunday service, which is one element of prayer. So we Mm -hmm. see often intercessory prayer in a corporate setting. We don't see yielding. We don't see contemplation. We don't see abiding. We don't see all the richness that there is. And I guess it's like ice cream, like I love honeycomb ice cream, but if honeycomb ice cream was the only dessert that I could eat for the rest of my life, there would be days where I'd be like, I'm good, thanks. Yeah. Don't want it. So I think with prayer, it's the same. It's like if we only know one specific kind of prayer, because that's the only thing we've ever been taught, it's not not our fault. Like sometimes that's all we know. Um, And we think, yeah, that's not really hitting it for me then yes, we can believe prayer is boring because even honeycomb ice cream is as amazing as it would be, it would be boring for me. So I think understanding like who you are, who God's created you to be, a lot of visual people, I'm like, have you ever heard of Visio Divina? They're like, Visio what? And I'm like, oh, you're going to love this and you're going to love encountering God like this. Mm -hmm. So I think one, one lie is like we just don't actually know the fullness and richness of prayer um, and what that can look like. And the other one is I think we approach prayer sometimes from duty and not intimacy, which again is not like terrible. There is a a duty on a believer to pray, Mm -hmm. but when we come to prayer as something that we should do and not from a place of intimacy with Jesus, oh man, it's like it just sucks all the good things out of it. So often with people where they're finding their prayer life, you know, a little dry, I'll just say to them like, this is this is communing with God. Think about your prayer life as communing with God. 
speaking to God, but also listening to God, but also just being with God. So if there is somewhere where you feel the pleasure of the Lord, like if I walk along the beach, you feel the pleasure of the Lord, that is communion with the Lord. That is prayer. Be released. Go and do it. Yes. (laughs) So finding, I think, the places of intimacy with the Lord rather than coming to him and being like, okay, I have to pray from six to seven every single day in one specific way. Honestly, no one wants to do that. That's not what God intended at all when he was talking about coming to him and being with him. I often say to people like, we come to our friends, we come to a time of communion, like with you over a coffee And I'm never expecting you to turn up wearing the same thing, having the same thoughts, in the same mood. And so when I come to prayer with Jesus, I am thinking about him often as starting off often as a friend. So I'm literally sometimes will literally picture myself with him sitting down over a coffee and just being like, what's on your heart today? Like, Mm -hmm. how are you? What, what, what are you, what are you feeling? What do you want to tell me? What, you know? intimacy as if he is a friend but actually approaching prayer and sometimes that just changes oh yeah like Jesus might actually you know he he something's on his heart today that was different than yesterday yes so approaching him from the place of intimacy I think also uh is a is a game changer in not having a boring prayer life (laughs) yes I think Aaron one of the biggest uh, shifts for me was in how I actually think about how God receives me when I pray. Mm. So because I'd grown up in quite a structured um, church environment and the way we prayed to a child was pretty stale and boring, to be honest, I had the perception that God was like a principal of a school who was waiting to measure you and tell you what you'd done right and what you'd done wrong or that he was distant and constantly judging me. Well, I didn't want to hang out with my principal, my school principal. So if that's how you think God is receiving you, you won't want to pray. So one of my favorite things to do at the start of prayer is to visualize some of the ways the Lord receives people in the word. So whether or not that's Jesus receiving children onto his lap or whether it's the Father who is symbolic of Jesus uh, or Father God welcoming home the prodigal son and running to him and throwing his arms around him. He was actually culturally taking upon himself the rocks that would have been hurled at this Jewish boy as a punishment for what he'd done. So even when we come with sin, the way Father welcomes us is to throw his arms around us and take the full punishment and weight of everything we've done wrong. It's nothing to keep us separated. Yes. So sometimes that I think that was the biggest change for me was how do I think the Father is receiving me? And is there anything he wants to correct in my perception of that that would mean I would want to spend time with him? Yes. Maybe now, Erin, is a good time for us to actually recommend some resources that I'll pop in the show notes as well, but you can share any you've got, but any of Corey Russell's online courses and his book, I think it's, is it Teachers to Pray, his book? Yeah. 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 And then Pete Gregg, what's his book called? Yeah, Pete Gregg writes a book, How to Pray, which actually has like uses the acronym P-R-A-Y to actually teach us about all the different types of prayer. And you'll find that you naturally connect to some more than others. Mm -hmm. And 
that's the way it is. So that's a great resource as well. They yes. also have an online course, which is the heartbeat of that book, which is called yes. The Prayer Course by Pete yep. Gregg. So you can Google that. It's free on YouTube. Got life group studies, whole bunch of stuff. Toolbox of how to yep. run non-boring corporate prayer meetings, yes. different ways you can pray. When it comes to contemplative prayer practices, which are a massive thing for me. Ruth Haley Barton writes things like sacred rhythms. She teaches on all the different ways you can pray. There's 50 ways to pray with your body, which is another great book. Amazing. Um, there's so many amazing resources out there. So yes. yeah, if you think prayer's boring, maybe you're just not praying the right way. Mike Bickle also, Erin writes amazingly on like, you could take a year just to pray every apostolic prayer in the New Testament. Yes. Yeah, so many good things. So can you so share good. a story with me about a passionate prayer warrior? Oh, so many. There's so many now that I can think of. I'll think of some in history maybe yeah, to start good. with. I've been researching, yeah, different people who have been involved. Their prayer lives have kicked off something for a city or for a nation. Uh, they are various in age. There's one young boy whose name's Donald. I think he's part of the second great awakening and he was 15, got saved during the revival. The Lord touched him like a lightning pole. So he would often be in meetings where, uh, there would, it would be difficult for the revivalists to preach the gospel. There would be hardened hearts and he would be interceding on the floor and then the power of God would hit him and the room would break open. But he had such an intimacy with the Lord. There was this one account of him praying in a barn. We're talking like rural areas of Great Britain. Um, He was praying in the barn and and one of the revivalists that came to that town came to find him like he was so well known, which is crazy, came to find him to ask him about what the Lord was doing. Anyway, this very well-known revivalist like knocks on the barn door and come and and comes sort of in and interrupts his prayer time. And this 15-year-old looks at this revivalist who would be something like an equivalent of a Bill Johnson or a Heidi Baker and says to him, I'm so sorry, I'm just having an audience with the king. Like, can you come back later? <laughs> oh, my boss. Wow. So amazing. Like he really, he knew what he, you know, he, he knew where it was at. He knew yes. his God. Yes. Um, he, they talk about many times where, yeah, he, there was one account again where he, in a corporate prayer meeting, they got him up to pray on the mic and he literally just says, father and the whole room wow. changes and the power of God hits the room. So was his intimacy. He was 15. There's other amazing intercessors like Peggy and Christine Smith, which were two women in their 80s who mm. had different health issues, couldn't leave their home, but believed that the Lord had given them a word through Isaiah 44.3 to see his spirit poured out in their very, very small Isle of Lewis in Scotland. They intercede and pray uh, follow the Lord's instructions to have conversations with different people and just literally see the power of God usher in a revival in Scotland that is one of the great that we read about. But yeah. they were just consistent in their home. They prayed together. It wasn't like this huge big thing. It was a personal intercession that they started on a word from the Lord and, yeah, saw some, I mean, the Hebrides Revival is incredible. If you don't know about it, go and read about it. <laughs> so good. I love the story you told about this 15-year-old boy who knew who he was in Christ because it leads me to the next myth, which is that prayer is for the really senior and uber-spiritual Christians. 
which is such a myth. Uh, there's another story I love, which is about these French children from rural France wow. who were known as the Camisards. And from the age of like 18 months old. So this was Christians who wow. were basically exiled from the main cities because of what God was doing in them. <clears throat> so they were sent out to these rural areas in the mountains and children as young as 18 months old who couldn't put full sentences together yet were giving prophetic, full prophetic words, accurate wow. prophetic words in perfect wow. Parisian language. Wow, right? wow, wow. Like nut stuff. And the intercession that rose from there that changed the economy in the nation wow. that is connected to the Renaissance and all kinds of crazy things, these young children. Oof. And the Lord, there's no junior Holy Spirit. So he'll use mm-hmm. whoever he wants to use. So I want to ask you, as someone who has the privilege and sometimes the um, suffering <laughs> of dispelling this myth, that you have to be the special optics and tactics team of the church to pray, who can pray? So we are God's children. Mm. We are, you are born. So anyone who is feeling this, I just want to encourage you. You are born and you are created on a cellular level in your body, in your mind to hear the voice of the Lord and to commune with him. Our bodies, our minds, we as beings are created to do this in its most basic, basic level. And I would say to you, you probably do this without even realising. So when you get a phone call from a relative when something terrible's happened, that feeling that rises up in you of like, almost like a, a holy desperation, that is a prayer. <laughs> that is yes. a prayer. When you hold your baby in your hands for the very first time or your niece or your nephew and joy and thanksgiving just overwhelms your heart, that is a prayer of thanksgiving. Yes. You are doing these things without even realising that so you are good. doing them. We are born to pray. <laughs> yes. um, even the way that I think we're created as humans, like um, I was just reading a bit about Uh, babies and their ability to like hear and discern the voice of their mother they think that like in the and you probably know more about this than me says but like even in the third trimester they're able to um ascertain that the baby can discern the voice of the mother from other voices like Mm -hmm. we are born to hear the voice of god we are created for love to love him and to receive his love that communion like that is our very existence So, yeah, I mean, I could talk on that for days, but. (laughs) I love it. I think another aspect that we've been exploring lately is that within our very DNA, right from the the start of humanity, God created us for face-to-face relationship. So if you think about the fact that he created Adam from the dust, so the father is is bending over the dust of the earth to create human form. And when he creates this body and then breathes into Adam, his ruah, his breath, the breath of God himself into this human man, the first thing Adam would have seen would have been the face of God. And then when Eve is created because the animals have been paraded before Adam and no suitable help is found for him. So the Lord puts him into a deep sleep, removes a rib and creates Eve from the rib. And as he's forming Eve, the very first thing Eve would have seen would have been the face of God. Wow. So then you have this sin that separates them from this face-to-face relationship that creates a distance. And then along comes Moses who becomes this beautiful messianic picture of Jesus himself, 
who rediscovers what it is to live at face-to-face relationship with God. And then Apostle Paul writes in my favorite scripture ever, 2 Corinthians, he picks up on this Moses talking face-to-face with God and having to veil himself because other people who don't partake in face-to-face get afraid of the glory of God that had taken over this man because he'd been with God. Paul says, we have that veil removed by the work of Jesus Christ, who has shut, closed that distance that was created from Adam and Eve, who would once live face to face. Jesus comes, he closes that distance, and we are once again born into an inherent face to face relationship. You were created to live face to face, breath to breath, voice to voice, chest to chest with the Father himself. In fact, it was said of Moses that God would literally come so close to Moses that he would put words into his mouth. So Moses would pray back to God the words that the breath of God himself put into him. And that is your DNA. That is how you were created. So this myth that prayer is hard or that prayer is only for special people is a lie. If you are human, you are designed to pray and you have every tool that is needed to pray. This is about our spirit reawakening to our original DNA. We could both talk all day. Amen. Amen. (laughs) You know, Erin, one of the things that we say a lot in our church is let let prayer do the heavy lifting. Mm. And we have a vision, a, a personal vision, that we would see every believer pray as a first response and not as a last resort. Because often it's like phone a friend, Uh, do what you can in the natural, and then when you've run out of other options, then we'll pray. Can you share a little bit about in the lead up to this outpouring how there were some very intentional increases in corporate and personal prayer and what you think the link might be from a non-works perspective between the prayers of the saints and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, that's really important that you say like from a non-works perspective. I love that. So, yeah, we um, we did a lot of different things. I think I think the biggest thing probably that um, our leadership did in our church was to just stir a hunger, yes. stir a hunger for prayer, stir a hunger for um, what what was God's original tension in that space, what God can do mm-hmm. uh, through our prayer. So I think as leadership, that was really something that, yeah, we 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 had corporately stirred within us. So the overflow of that was people just really being encouraged to engage with prayer as the first thing, you know, in their day. And as the last thing in their day, we had different prayer meetings happening throughout uh, our city facility and throughout our church, other church locations that we had, whether that was a prayer meeting once a week on a Friday during lunchtime, whether it was opening a prayer room so people could come in and out and pray, whether it was we had some of our older saints that were praying during every revival service for the service. Mm -hmm. So prayer was being upped in all sorts of ways throughout our service as well. We Mm -hmm. increased the prayer that we were doing in those spaces. There was just a general increase um, of space for people to engage in prayer individually and corporately. Mm-hmm. All age groups, we had prayer happening in our kids' ministry like we'd never had prayer happening in our kids' ministry before, in our youth the mm-hmm. same. So it was just a general um, pressing in and leaning into God in the space of prayer without it being a thing of, okay, well, if we pray this much, then this is going to happen. And I think the result of just being in the presence of God 
in prayer, we are transformed into mm-hmm. his likeness when we are with him. Yes. And I think whether that is on a corporate level or whether that was on an individual level, that started to happen. Mm-hmm. And the thing was it happened in in not one or two people, but it happened in many people and yes. there was a spiritual momentum that was starting to build through people getting into the secret place and then through us coming together as his bride to pray together. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of this hunger stirring that led us into to seeking God's face. Yes. Um, we became hungrier. As we became hungrier, he changed our appetites. He changed yes. our wills. He changed our hearts. He healed mm-hmm. our hearts. Yes. He put passions and desires in our hearts that weren't there before. We became like him, mind, will, emotion. And then that just started to have momentum. Yes. You know, I want to pick up on a couple of things you said there. Firstly, we're doing a whole episode on this in the series about who instigates hunger because I think what oh, can good. happen when yes. we're in a season of revival and God is outpouring. Yes. Because we're human and we hear a lot about revivals that came and finished. And I see an earnestness and a purity and a zeal within our hearts to not be a historical revival, but to be an ongoing move that this would be normal New Testament Christianity. But Amen. as human beings... That can Mm -hmm. mean without realizing we take on this pressure that there's something we have to sustain or that we've had a big hand in the way God is moving. Now we've positioned ourselves and prayer has sensitized even our hearts to perhaps even the way he was already moving that we didn't notice before. And he is pouring himself out in a very special way. But I am massive on feeling like I don't want any listener to feel pressure that they have to instigate hunger because actually hunger is a gift from the Lord. And so in our humanity, we can say things like get hungry, get faith. Well, it's a gift of faith. We receive the gift of faith and we receive the gift of hunger. Get on fire. (laughs) We didn't get here by squeezing fire. We got here by gazing at the one whose eyes are fire and gazing at the one who fulfills every appetite, who ruins you, who you taste and see. He's so good. You hunger for nothing else. And so the gift you receive from beholding him transforms you and transforms your appetite. It sets you on fire because you receive his fire And so I just want to say when it comes to prayer, we're not saying get hungrier, get on fire. We're saying when you incorporate into your prayer life, not all this self-reflection on me, 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 but look at him, Mm -hmm. pray to him, look Mm -hmm. at all all he is able to do, look at who he is and tell him what you think about who he is and how beautiful he is and how majestic and powerful he is. Tell him what you feel when you look at his eyes of fire from Revelation and the result of looking at him like that will be you're on fire and you're hungry. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would say for myself personally, like just um, spending more time with the Lord, I think my hunger, just my personal testimony was was two main areas. One was 
a real exchange of yes. an exchange by the power of the Holy Spirit, not an exchange by anything I could do, mm-hmm. but an exchange of the Holy Spirit of my own will for his will. In yes. small areas and big areas, yes. it's like I want your will for my life. So even big things in my life, but even small things of like, just allowing the Holy Spirit to bring up, hey, this is actually your will. And I'm like, oh, wow, it really is. Mm-hmm. Okay, Lord, I exchange that for your will. So an exchange of of my own will for his will bred a hunger. Mm-hmm. And I think even healing bred a mm-hmm. hunger for mm-hmm. me. So even I had some I've had some radical encounters with God where he has done some huge inner healing work in my heart. I was riddled with insecurity for so long. I had a radical encounter with God where that completely left my life. I'd done a journey before that and then had a power encounter and so it was both and. But from that moment on, it was like the hunger that I had to feed that insecurity had completely left and what had been replaced in my heart was a hunger for holiness, for righteousness, for the things of the Lord. So Yes, I love that you say that about hunger and where that came from. I think for me those two things have been kind of like instrumental in how hunger has has how the Lord has brought hunger into my heart. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's it, it makes perfect sense and it's so important because if all of the onus and pressure is on us to sustain a prayer life, oh. then all these myths will become bigger than the breakthroughs we see whereas if we're truly Holy Spirit filled and led. He will lead us to communion with the Father. He will lead us to communicating with the Father all day long and not just as an afterthought or an hour in the day, but constant communion yes. with Him. I think, you know, I've introed the listeners to kind of this concept of Super Bowl Sunday. And in some ways, I regret ever making that joke because it's stuck. And well, I, I guess in a way, I've been quite critical in the past, if I'm honest, of people who talk about the glory days. And so I don't Mm. want to talk about the one day, like it's our glory day because we're living in glorious days. So, but it's just a phrase, people know what I'm talking about. But I think one of the things that was so wild on that day was how there were these waves without it being platform led of spontaneous prayer breaking out as the presence of Jesus just filled the place. And I think one of the things we're learning is again, not from a works perspective, But if the prayer starts to wane in the life of the church, which is communion and intimacy with the Father and hearing the Spirit's voice, that it won't take long for us to fall into hype and adrenaline and get hungry and get fire um, because we're no longer in this overflow of communion of, hey, there's no pressure on me, no pressure on me. I didn't start this. I'm not going to sustain it and I'm not going to perfect it because there's an oil that we can only gain through intimacy. And it's that oil that actually we need to be able to flow in what the Lord is doing. So what do you think, Erin, the role of prayer has been in seeking to steward what God is doing? Like how important has it been? And what have some of the practical approaches been for maybe people who are looking for some tips? Oh, so good. I think that prayer is a little bit like the rudder in a way. So a rudder in the sense of, you know, when we are close to the Lord, it's difficult for us to, I guess, as leaders make decisions out of flesh, like Mm -hmm. the closer we are to the Lord, 
the less likely those things are to happen. Mm. And so I think you're just talking about oil and I just feel to say, Stace, like yeah. you're so dead on with oil because I was literally just praying this morning to the Lord and I, and I had this vision of him having, there was two lamps. Mm-hmm. One lamp, they were both burning with oil. One had smoke and one didn't have smoke that was coming off the burning of this oil. Wow. And the Lord said there's a very big difference, Aaron, between the burning of the oil of intimacy and the burning of the oil of gifting. Wow. And he said one will never, one will run pure and never run out. And the other oil I could see had like, it was burning, but there was smoke coming off it and I could see that it was going down. Wow. So I really felt like just to stay very close to the Lord and that happens in prayer as, as leaders in this time but as anyone in this time that we uh, we won't fall into, you know, hype and we won't fall into even mean what well-meaning things that just the Lord is not on if we stay very close to him and very close to his ear and very yielded. So that happens in prayer, mm-hmm. <laughs> that the intimacy that we need with the Lord that happens in a place of prayer and it goes from having moments of prayer to, as you were just saying before, living a prayerful life where Mm -hmm. our ear is constantly attuned. My heartbeat is constantly in heartbeat with the Lord. I don't have to wait to have massive corrections. I'm like, oh, something's something's feeling off here or my heart is, why are the beats not in sync, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think the, the need in moments like this in any moment but in moments like this where the Lord is pouring out and he is always doing a new thing always so we have to the only way is to stay close to his ear close to his heart and close close to him and that happens in prayer so I think prayer is the essential part of that because otherwise we will miss something he never talks in the same way he never does the same thing and I think we will maybe miss some of the fullness of that if we if we don't stay close to him and staying close to yes. him happens in a place of prayer. Yes, because Isaiah actually says when he says, behold, the Lord is doing a new thing, do you not perceive it? It's very difficult to perceive, Aaron, what you're doing if I'm at a distance from you. Yeah. Whereas when I'm very close to you, I can sometimes perceive what you're even thinking about by your facials. Oh, totally. And by the way you're holding your body or the, the tone of your voice or by when you let out a big sigh. <laughs> so the mm-hmm. closer we stay to Jesus, the more we can perceive the new thing is doing because that's a whole other episode that we're actually doing, which Love is it. about it, we're calling it flex. It's actually this one will be airing after I've spoken about flex Come because on. I think one of the biggest things has been when God is moving and he's moving mightily like a raging waterfall, it can take 10 minutes for something to be stale. So what worked even like I've discovered in worship, which Mm -hmm. prayer is worship, Mm -hmm. 10 minutes ago that worked, the Lord could be, he's he's moved. And so if I'm used to thinking formula and if I'm used to getting boxes ticked for my approval, I'm going to find it difficult to do the new thing because often people who are resistant to change are resistant to change because they're bound by fear of man. Because if something changes, I don't know how to win Whereas if this stays the same, I've mastered the art of getting it all right. And so I I love what you've just said, because if we don't stay within whispering distance of Jesus, we cannot perceive the new thing he's doing. So even though we've talked about upper rooms, intercession, we've talked about, uh, we will talk about in the moment, um, some of the restoration prayer side of things. None of these are formulas. No. I guess what we're both saying is, 
God is going to, to move uniquely in your midst, prayer will be part of it. But exactly what that looks like, you're going to have to get from the Holy Spirit yourself. You have to pray. <laughs> yes. Yes, totally. So true. You know, I think another thing I've really noticed, Erin, is that my prayers have changed. <laughs> oh my goodness, my prayers have changed. So I notice they're more honest. Yes. They're more real. They're more sober. They're yes. more bold at times. So things like, I want to want you more than anything else. Mm. Not, I want you more than anything else because I don't, I, I've had so much shown to me in the last 12 months that has been an idol in my life that I didn't even know was there yes. that I can't with with authenticity pray before the Lord because I the heart is deceitful above all things. I don't yes. know if I do want him more than anything else. I yep. want to want you more than anything else. I want mm. to want to hunger for you more than I hunger for anything else. Help yeah. me get to that place. So my prayers have changed in that. Totally. But then I've become so much less self-focused because of all the things we're seeing God doing. I'm so much more God confident. So my prayers have become less, please, God, would you heal this body? To in the name of Jesus, pain, get out, pain, leave that body, come into kingdom alignment. So prayers have become more real, more vulnerable, but also more bold. Have you found that? Totally agree. Like I would say, yes, my prayers have 100% changed. Um, I I spend a lot more time in prayer saying nothing. Yes. <laughs> saying nothing and listening yep. and waiting. Mm -hmm. And even in the prophetic grace, totally in a season where the Lord is just, you're not to say anything. You're not to say anything and showing me more and saying less. So I think my prayers have um, got quieter mm -hmm. uh, and that doesn't mean boring. That actually right. is sometimes <laughs> the most wild. Mm -hmm. um, quieter they have, uh, I've become a lot more still, um, I think just in the holiness of God mm -hmm. as I draw closer to him um, Oof, his his holiness and the awe and wonder of him. When you are standing in front of Jesus and overwhelmed by his awe and wonder, there is nothing you can say. There is nothing you can say. And I think, yes, totally as performance leaves, as fear of man leaves, as um, we just get closer and closer and that veil is removed and keeps getting removed and there's mm. like, oh, there's something else, there's it's more veils one. to be removed, yep. yeah. Um, just getting more real and real with the one who already knows our hearts better yes. than we know him. So I would totally agree. I think as well just complete dependency on God, The that feeling I often have of like, oh, my gosh, why am I the one here? Like mm. I'm not qualified. I've actually, instead of letting that lead into insecurity, which it normally would mm -hmm. for me or ha would have in the past, it's been like, actually, that's a cry of like, Lord, I need you. Yes. Like, Holy Spirit, I need you. And then just seeing his faithfulness. So I think just the more you go closer to Jesus, the more you realise the smaller and smaller that you are. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that in a self-deprecation <laughs> no. kind of way. I just mean... I think Heidi Baker says like we're like a, a penny that he spins in his pocket. It's like yep. it's so true. It's yes. so true. So just being more dependent on him 
in prayer in every area and very grateful, lots of prayers of gratitude. I yes. think that comes as the flip side. I think I've never prayed more prayers of, of just thanksgiving to God as well. But, yes, yes, I think vulnerability is big. I mean, we can only be transformed into Christ's likeness to the degree to which we can be honest yes. with God. Yes, um, he cannot heal what we hide. And I love that you talked about the fact that our insecurities aren't an obstacle to our prayer life and God's yeah. changed the way we even see ourselves. Remember Haley Braun said this on something we were watching recently. She was like, if we could stop seeing our own insufficiencies as an obstacle to God using them, using us and start to see them as a landing place for God's glory, imagine what God could do. And that's the same in our prayer life where you don't feel like you know how to pray or you're yeah. not an effective prayer warrior, whatever that means. If we could start yeah. to see what we think is a deficiency yeah. or a weakness as a landing place for God's glory, we could begin to be nation shifters through declaration and prayer. This is the way the Lord chooses to work. He could make yes. it all happen himself. Yes. Yes. But he wants us to be his mouthpiece. He wants us to be his heart. He wants to use us to be the executor of his will on the earth. It is why yo. Yes. And I'm just thinking that whole factor of like God could do this in a heartbeat. He actually doesn't need me, but in that he chooses to use me. So I feel like the pressure comes off in some yes. spaces, even when I'm like evangelizing on the street or sharing with him about like sharing about him with someone. It's like God could bring salvation to this person in a dream, in a, in a heartbeat. He doesn't actually like the Holy Spirit doesn't need me, but yes. yet he chooses to partner with me. And that God, I say this all the time to people, but like God is bigger than your biggest mistake. Like yes. he is a big God. He doesn't, he doesn't need us and yet he chooses to use us. So I feel freed a lot from that. Like when we're praying for healing for someone or when I'm praying for someone, for God to encounter them for the very first time, it's like, you don't need me, but you choose to use me. And, and I know that you're bigger than my biggest mistake. Even if I say the wrong thing or muck up or, you know, quote something that is not exactly the right thing, <laughs> that he's a big God. Yes. Yes. And who are we to think that we could stop him doing what he wants to do? Yeah. <laughs> Lol. And yet we do all the time. <laughs> yeah, we do. We really do. You know, I think one of the most beautiful things, Erin, in the last, however long it's been now, it's all a big blur of glory. I think one of the most beautiful things has been seeing uh, people's perception change of where the power comes from. Because I yeah. think what can happen in a large church and what can happen in the way that we do church in the modern world is that we could think that there's power ministers yeah. And power that comes from the platform that cannot come from the pew. So one of my favorite things that I have seen is the equipping of the saints. So mm. when we go into those moments where, where the Lord wants to heal people, we'll often have yes. how it looks being led from platform is not the person on platform praying, but somebody receiving word of knowledge. And that could be a child. There's been times mm -hmm. when I've gone to a child and said, what does God want to heal? Or where children have stuck stickers on an outline yes. of a body, God wants to heal this area. So there's a word of knowledge that comes. Yes. And then we say to the church, okay, you go gather around those people and you pray. And there's this activation of the saints. Don't you think that's just so beautiful? 
Oh, totally. And I think we have come from a time where the Lord has used specific people in unique ways in the area of, for example, prayer or intercession. I think to show in his heart to show us what is possible for all the saints. But I think we are really truly in a time where, where it is for all the saints that God is pouring out um, in an incredible way um, his, his Holy Spirit in power to all ages, all graces. As you just said, we've seen some powerful healing happening through our kids as well as through saints that have been following the Lord for 40, 50 years. But it is truly a time that we are in where he wants that to be available and a very normal thing yes. in in everyone who calls themselves a follower of Jesus. And yes, we I think it was really cool to see even just kids on the prayer line recently mm-hmm. praying for people and people encountering the Lord just through a very simple prayer from a yes. child. And God's offensive sometimes in the way mm-hmm. he moves. I love yeah. it. So we've had things where um, a friend of mine was sharing a testimony with me about a picture that a child had painted of healing, which was like, if you'd seen it, honestly, it was <laughs> like four crayon smudges on a page. Like it yeah. was it was not Rembrandt, I'm just saying. <laughs> and they said, hey, we really feel like there was a word of knowledge of like the, the child felt like there was healing on this. Then an adult was like, yes, let's go and use this and, and see what the Lord wants to do with it. And they had someone who uh, had ringing in their ear, look at this picture, totally healed from the wow. ring in their ear. How offensive is Jesus sometimes? Like, I just love it. He's like, yeah, I'm going to heal you through this like ridiculous drawing of we're not really sure what flowers maybe because he doesn't care how. Like he is a compulsive healer. He will use whatever is available to bring what he died for to give us access to that. So then they take this picture around to other people. So people that were coming in um, for similar ringing, they're like, oh, hey, so we've got something that people have been healed through. If you'd like to look at this amazing picture. You can wow. have, and I think there was like four or five people that had their ears here. And I wow. love that, like, we have to be really careful that we don't look at like form in some of those things in prayer and in, in healing. Because if we took, for example, the doctrine of the mud on the eyes for, yes. you know, healing yes. the blind, then we'd, you know, you'd probably have some like amazing Weird. gold yielded <laughs> mud pit in every church where they're like, oh, okay, come over. Yeah. We'll put, like, but Jesus healed in different ways. And I think he did that to, Yes. To, to show us something very specific about prayer and healing. I love that. I've got a story. I was recently in another nation and um, was seeing somebody who had a lot of illness in their life, 19 medications a day. Wow. And the Lord began to show me a vision actually of some witchcraft and a curse that had been placed over this person. So I said to the person beside me, don't need you to say anything except agree with me and say amen at the end of this prayer for this person that I could see was operating under these curses. So I begin to declare a few things being broken. This other person beside me is kind of like, wow, that's full on, but amen. And sure enough, you know, as the service goes on, I start to think, oh, have I been so weird? And oh, Lord, I I need some kind of confirmation. And then this parent comes up to me after the service that I was ministering at and said, we wanted to show you a picture that a child has drawn during this meeting. So a three-year-old had drawn the vision that I had described of witches on a mountain over a building and these words coming out of this witch's mouth. So the Lord used this child to confirm in me, an adult, yes, the Lord had spoken 
And let me tell you, that person is completely healed off every medication. And wow. the two specialists that were working with this person, one an atheist, burst into tears and said, I, I can't describe this. I guess there must be a God. So, I mean, the Lord is offensive. He's offensive that I have to come in and say, you've been cursed. That was offensive to me because I felt like a stupid person. It was offensive that the confirmation came through a child doing a drawing because the parents were like, does my child have a demon? Look what they've drawn. It was offensive to the parents. And yet look what the Lord has done. (laughs) I love it. I love Jesus. It's so awesome. But yes, he's moving through, like he is moving in a new way through all kind of age groups, all kind of people. And just seeing his whole bride rise in prayer in whatever that looks like. I, I love those moments where we had a young girl during conference who had worn glasses her entire life. Yes. And someone had a word of knowledge for um, healing of eyes. They prayed. Someone in the congregation, don't even know where they're from. She's never met, like just, just, just a follower of Jesus. Laid hands, prayed for her. Sure enough, healing, wow. eyes totally healed no need for glasses anymore. And she'd never really experienced the Lord like that before. So she was changed. The person who prayed for her was changed. We as a congregation were like, oh my gosh, amazing. So yes, all the saints, all the same Holy Spirit. Yeah. I love it. So we do need to wrap up, even though you and I could talk about this all day. But before we do, I actually want to talk about uh, some of the complimentary prayer ministries that have really arisen out of necessity because... In a season like an outpouring, the Lord is dealing with the one percenters in people's lives. So the first few months he was probably dealing with pretty big sin. And that was like, oh, gosh, what's someone going to confess now? But it was awesome. To then the one percenters. So, you know, Erin, we use the analogy if I had a bottle of water and said this is 99% pure and 1% sewerage, would you like a drink? You would be like, no, thank you very much. And we are meant to be rivers of living water. And so the Lord is purifying the one percenters so that the world can drink from us freely and find the purity of Jesus. And so as we've been in this season, there's been this necessity for inner healing and something that's come out of that has been Sozo Prayer Ministry. Could you briefly touch on what that is and why that's been important? Yeah, it's such an important piece, Stace. So mm-hmm. Paul Manwaring says this, that any apostolic move of God cannot come without an inner healing move of God. Yes. And yes. he says that because um, God is moving through family. His yep. blueprint for his church is family. Yep. So he is creating um, apostolic mothers and fathers or mothers and fathers, spiritual mothers and fathers um, to to grow up, love, nurture and release spiritual sons and daughters. Yes. And that all comes from the place of sonship. That all yes. comes from identity in Christ. And so what happens when we receive salvation is that our spirit man, so we're, 1 Thessalonians 5 says that we are as human beings made up of spirit, soul, and body, and it defines soul as mind, will, and emotions. And so what happens when we get born again is that our spirit man that was dead comes alive. Our body comes into community. We come often into like a family of God, a church community. So our spirit is alive in community and relationship with the Lord. Our bodies are in relationship in community. Our soul realm is often the one that needs some love, attention and kindness from the Lord to really come into this full adoption of 
of, yes. of sonship. So we have things in our soul realm that are maybe past traumas or things yes. like fear or things like um, insecurity that I was talking about yes. before that actually block us from carrying the fullness of the presence of God. So, for yes. example, I'm witnessing to somebody, the Holy Spirit's moving there, so he's leading me to witness to somebody, but because of fear of man, I, I, I hold back. That's a limit to the fullness of yes. which we are actually created to move and be. And so as revivalists, we want to, like, we are carrying the presence of God. We are dwelling places for the presence and the power of God. We want the Lord to be able to move to his fullness within yes. us. And so we want to deal with the fingerprints of orphanhood, which is what Donna De Silva calls them, yes. on our hearts, on our soul realm, in our mm-hmm. in our emotions, in our will and in our mind, so that the fullness of, we can have the fullness of adoption yes. that Jesus has paid for and walk in the fullness of his power yes. and his authority. So we we as a revival like church and as as revivalists or people who carry revival, we want to carry the fullness of the presence yes. of God. And and we need to allow the Lord to heal the inner parts of our soul realm mm. for that to happen. Does that make yes, sense? It does. So what does the word sozo mean? Yeah, so sozo, there's a lot of different words for healing in the Bible. There is uh, where Jesus talks about him healing the 10 lepers and then the only, he talks about them being healed, he talks about them being cleansed and then Mm -hmm. the third time the one leper out of the 10 that actually comes back to Jesus, the healed word that he uses, he says you've been been healed, but that actually word is sozo, which means Mm -hmm. that he has been saved. He's recognized Jesus as the Messiah. He has been cleansed. He has been cleansed of spiritual, like leprosy was mm-hmm. a, was also a spiritual yes. um, thing that needed cleansing. Uh, and he's also been uh, physically healed. So sozo means saved, healed, and delivered yes. in the three yes. full completeness of healing, I guess. Yes. And it's become just a, ve- a very necessary and joyful part of oh, yes. this season that we're in. And so we do have Sozo at Newmar Church, our home church. You can check all of that out on websites and stuff. We also have launched healing rooms and we don't have time to talk about it today, but it's epic. You can also check that out on our website. We've got another healing summit coming up next year that people are welcome yes. to. We've got Donna De Silva with us later this Woo-hoo. year who's really established Sozo Prayer Ministry. So if these are things you're interested in, you can check out our home church website and you'd be welcome at all of those yes. things. So Erin, before we wrap up today, it would be so amazing actually if you could please pray for our listen, listeners and even if you could just release intercessory grace for those who are listening today and don't even know where to start. I would love that. All right. So thank you, Jesus, that you have paid the price that we could come boldly to the throne of Father God, that there is nothing that holds us back, that we can enter in like children would run to the Father. And Lord, I just thank you that it is so easy, God, to hear your voice and to be in your presence and to speak to you, that every... um yeah, that everything has been paid for through the blood of Jesus so that we could do that, that we are created as your children to commune with our God, with the one who has created us. Father, I just pray that um, any lies or any, um, yeah, things that we have learned that are not truth, God, that you would, by the power of your Holy Spirit, break those, break the power of those things now, that Lord, we would, we would not believe, God, that it is hard to commune with you. We would not believe, Lord, that it is um, difficult to be in your presence, but that we would 
um, by the power of your Holy Spirit, receive truth into our hearts that this is who we are created to be as your children. And I just thank you that as we do come into your presence, as we run into the throne room and jump up onto the knee of Papa God, that um, we get the joy and the absolute honour to hear what it is, Lord, that is on your heart. Um, God, we come so many times with what is on our heart to you that we actually get the the mind-blowing privilege to hear what is on God's heart, a God that is the God of all the ages. Uh, Papa God, you are the one that, that breathed this this planet into existence. You are the Alpha, the Omega. You are the omnipresent God and yet a very personal God. And and to hear what is on your heart for for individuals, for nations, um, for political situations, for our school system, for anything that Lord is in our world to hear what is on your heart for that God. And then to repeat that back to is is the very heart of intercession. And I thank you, Lord, it's not difficult. (laughs) And I thank you, God, it's not... um, it's not hard and it's not dry and boring that it's actually incredible that in prayer we get to go anywhere with you, Lord Jesus. We get to hear anything about what it is that you have on your heart, to hear the heart of God, to hear the mind of God. Wow. We we just love it. And Father, I just impart grace um, to all of our listeners for intimacy with you, Jesus, that they would um, come into the prayer room um, expecting to meet with the most funnest, exciting friend that they have, which you truly are, all fun from this world and all excitement from this world comes from you, so that they would come into the place of prayer of like meeting a friend for a coffee and just expecting to just see you in a new way, to hear from you in a new way, God. And just as we do that, I pray, Lord, for release of grace of intimacy for your people. And pray, and out of that, Lord, we we pray that the intercessory anointing would be would be released over every saint, from the youngest to the oldest, God. Um, that whether we know three words and three scriptures, or whether we've memorized chapters of the Bible, it doesn't matter. That our hearts are called and made to to hear yours and to respond back to you in prayer. And so, Father, I pray for an intercessory grace to be released um, through this podcast today, Lord, that people would um, would long to hear what it is that you have to say and long to, to pray those things back and that, God, they would see your breakthrough, um, that they would pray for something and, and see it happen in the news the next day, that, God, they would pray for something and see breakthrough in a family member's life the next day, that it, that is who you are and that is who we are as your people. And I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit um, that we would we would love to become like Christ even in his intercessory capacity. <laughs> That Jesus, you it says that you are interceding for us, that you have been interceding for us since you went to heaven. I pray that as we become transformed into your like Christ likeness, that we would even in this intercessory capacity become like you, your entire bride, um, everyone, Lord, that it would fall upon upon every single person, that there would be no one who feels that um that prayer is not for them and I just break every stronghold that um, has come in people's thinking or come through labels and things that people have been taught, um, even with a good heart that there is any kind of barrier or any kind of, um, yeah, religious loops we need to jump through to to be able to pray effectively, that we are your sons and daughters and that every price that um, needed to be paid has been paid by Jesus. And so, God, we just release the joy of intercession, the joy of prayer, Um, to see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We love you, Jesus, and I pray this in your powerful and magnificent name. Amen.
Amen. Well, we did mention some amazing resources at the start, including Erin's podcast. We're going to link all of that in today's show notes. But Erin, thank you so much for everything you've shared today. You are so inspiring. So grateful to do life with you and can't wait to talk to you again really soon. For all of the listeners, make sure you do all of the things like the subscribing and the sharing and the rating and reviewing and all the things that I get sick of saying, but really do help this reach more people. So please do do them. In next week's episode, we are going to talk about worship during a season of revival and transitioning from constraint to restraint, doing less so that God can do more. It's every musician's nightmare, but we're going to go there and we're going to talk about it. Can't wait to talk to you then. See you really soon. 